0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional, and those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. April is Stress Awareness Month, and for that reason, we wanted to talk with someone about the presence of stress in the workplace the role of stress in and out of work, and most importantly, how organizations can get in the right mindset and make a difference when it comes to mental health in general. We are pleased to have with us today Leanne Larson. She's the founder and CEO of Elevate Counseling. She graduated from Bridgewater State College in 2001 with a Bachelor of Science in Physical Education with a double minor in health promotion and psychology. She took this foundation and in 2005 with a master's degree in education, specializing in mental health counseling, also from Bridgewater State, designed a holistic model of healing combined the tenets of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well being as the foundation in which she has built her clinical meaning making and personal life practice. Thank you, Leanne, for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Jim, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Uh, why don't we jump right in? Um, what do you think the relationship between stress and fear is?
1: The relationship between stress and fear. Fear, yes. Well, I think that we need to look at mind-body psychology to understand that our thoughts, our emotions, and our physical bodies are all connected, and stress response impacts us on all levels. So if we are being stressed out in our personal life or our work life, that could show up in our sleep routine, that could show up in our snappiness in relationships to people, that could show up in health issues, physical health issues, that can show up in our thought life, whether it's distractibility, difficulties, focusing, attending to details, lack of motivation, so many things, uh, to the extent of a severe hopelessness, you know, whatnot. So it's all connected. And fear is very much an emotional response to what I believe are the things that we cannot control in life. Mm -hmm. And as we all know very well, there's a lot we cannot control in life Mm -hmm. and so i believe there's a very very strong correlation between the underlying anxieties worries difficulties unexpected left hooks in life right all of those things are fear based that uh, then can stress our bodies stress our relationships stress our minds and show up in any number of ways in our lives.
0: I agree entirely. It's, uh, I mean, to me, stress is the culmination of fear. It's the, almost the same feeling, you know, Um, and they feed into each other heavily. It's interesting when you're talking about looking at things holistically, both in your bio and some of the comments you just made, we have a tendency particularly in the employment world to separate things out. Here's your, your doctor, you know, your medical benefits. Here's maybe your health benefits. If we have some, you know, here's our courses on healthy eating and they're all, all different. And then when it comes to spiritual wellness, I mean, I think that's something that really gets dropped off a lot um, for a couple of reasons. One, the biggest one is probably the fact that uh, if that's, moving over into the religious territory, many employers don't want anything to do with it for legal reasons. So, I mean, I guess the question there is how, how are we, are employers supposed to look at things holistically if they're not really set up to do that?
1: I think that we do a disservice to people, I'll talk specifically to employees, Uh, we do a disservice when we try to compartmentalize them and chop them up into little bits of, you know, you show up and you do this, you're here nine to five, we don't really need to know, be worried or concerned with what is happening, you know, over here in your life, this is what's relevant or important. And I think that we are much better able to serve our employees and each other, when we see each other as, you know, physical beings, we have bodies, we need boundaries, we need rest, we need exercise, we need nutrition, we need laughter, we are emotional beings, which is expressed through our relationships with others. So we can see a healthy person relationally has good co-working relationships, is operating in their strengths. Has just the right balance of introversion and extroversion in their work setting for who they are. Someone is also a mental being. They have a thought life, they have cognitive abilities, they may struggle with worry or frustrations or fears, or they may struggle with some depressed feelings, you know, thoughts, hopelessness, dismay, overwhelm, right? And we need to recognize that. And this is what I love about the spiritual being, right? The spiritual being is that aspect of ourselves that we can't really define, but we can see it. We can see it in people's ability to express themselves in creative ways. When we see them, you know, in a think tank and the light bulb goes off, or there's some great flow state going on, there's synthesis happening in the room. I believe that that is an expression of our energetic body or our spiritual body, our creative, that unseen but yet you can see it. You know when you meet someone and they're in the flow, they love what they're doing, they're passionate, they're feeling great about purpose or meaning, right? And so It's in experiencing the whole person and allowing an individual to experience their whole self that we can get to a place of well-being in the workplace and in our personal lives. And so that's, I think, an important job. And um, I just have to say as a therapist, I am a strength-based clinician. Mm -hmm. And as an employer, we have a staff of 36 right now I am a strength-based employer. To that end, we use predictive index to help us understand our employees, how they think, how they work, what their style is, so that we can align them with the right teams to work with. We can, if we have a project coming up, we know exactly who's gonna enjoy it, right? And so consciously choosing to see the entire person for who they are and where they're at, really does help decrease fear and decrease stress in the workplace about all aspects of being.
0: It's interesting. Does that include adjusting people's duties based on their strengths?
1: Yes. We meet people based on their strengths. Everyone has limitations. Everyone has growing edges. That is what makes us human, that diversity of personality and skills and the way we show up in the world. And I think that one of my biggest shocks when I started Elevate were just five years on the other side of my first hire. When I first started seeing all my traumatized clinicians and where were they traumatized from vocational trauma coming from workplaces that know we're all about numbers productivity therapist mills whatever run them into the ground they did not care which is so ironic because as clinicians we're trying to elevate our clients and each other and so it has become my mission in life to like normalize mental wellness right and illness because that's part of it sometimes you're not well mentally um, and it can be from anything, a biological illness can take you out a developmental stage of life, being postpartum, we have, I think, 11 were, I think we just have the 11th baby at Elevate in five years since we've, you know, so and that affects you, right? So I made a decision a long time ago, early in the game, that I was going to meet my clinicians where they were at and, and get their trust, gain their trust, gain their understanding that they're not going to be treated poorly. They're going to be heard and they're going to be um, accepted exactly where they're at and and also encouraged to build a career that they want, right? What are you looking for? What are your goals? And this has helped tremendously reducing workplace stress.
0: One of the approaches that people take, uh, organizations will take is you know they make an assessment as to what roles they need and then they they com- you know build a complete set of those of those roles and then they stuff people into them and from a, a sort of an surface level perspective you could say okay well now i have all my bases covered we got the marketing guys doing the marketing stuff and covers all the marketing stuff and at the end of his job is the whatever it is production guy and he does this and And one of the issues obviously is that when people aren't happy with a percentage or maybe even all of their role in organizations that are like that, they can't just say, okay, well, I want to do this now. And, and that happens. So on the other side of that is at organizations that, and I've always been curious about this organizations that do try and mold people's duties to their strengths and capabilities. Don't you find a lot of gaps? How do you handle those gaps? And you know, is it, is it worth doing it that way versus saying, well, I stuffed them all in their places and now we have everything we need?
1: Yes, I think those are great questions. And certainly the larger organizations, I know they have their um, people who actually work with talent scouting, right, within the organizations to find people who are available for roles. For um, a mid-sized company or even a smaller company um, like mine, the predictive index has been a game changer for me. And I do have a guy over there. So if anyone needs a lead, reach out to me. But um, it's wonderful because you can build teams and say, oh, we have a hole in this area in my administration team. I really need to hire someone who is a box checker. I need to hire someone who is going to crack the whip and make sure that this team can get the tasks done. So when we get resumes, we also will send out an assessment and say, we use this assessment to build teams to help us make sure that we're hiring the right person for the right job because we want them to have as good of an experience as we're having, right? The nice thing about mostly we hire therapists is, We all are sort of collaborative. We all like to communicate, you know, so there's a certain index that most people who are, they are therapists are like that. But for our leaders and directors and administrators, there's also a little extra on the executive functioning side. Um, I'm a maverick, which is a visionary. I'm always thinking about the future and where we're going, which is excellent for my role as CEO, but would be tragic. If I was just doing therapy and, and actually when I was just doing therapy, I did get stagnant in that. I need a balance of, of both worlds, right? That's my personality. So um, companies need to really be willing to do the deep dive into their talent and say, okay, we're going to invest the resources. We're going to invest the time. We are going to find out who we are actually, who we are, as a team, because you can do an index on a whole team too. What are our shortcomings? Where do we need to do a better job? Because talent optimization is the way to go. It is going to be an incredibly competitive workplace, especially with hybrid models coming now. Some companies are gonna go all remote. We as employers need to work harder at helping our employees feel heard and understood and also communicating with them that we really do genuinely care and understand you know mental health is in a crisis right now but i've heard that it hasn't even come yet and we've never 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 had to you know i've always been hiring but i've never had you know a bucket full of people looking for help right now and it's just uh, heartbreaking to see so many people are struggling and you know employers are the front line everyone works right most people work want to work need to work and we are um we are we're in a unique space where we have an opportunity to educate to lead to help ourselves as well. I know there's plenty of C-suite, stressed out executives out there in the world. I've met plenty of them, right? And it's it's a good service to us and it's a good service to everyone that we're working with. If we can say, you know, we're in this position of power, let's wield that power for the good and normalize the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the overwhelm, the uncertainty of what it's all going to look like, because it's totally normal. If, if someone hasn't experienced anxiety or depression in their life, at some point, I want to check for a pulse because I just cannot believe that. I just cannot believe that.
0: Is, do you consider mental health, uh, solvable? Can it be solved? Cause I don't think that people think of it that way.
1: There is definitely, definitely mental health concerns that are situational, that happen because of a developmental phase of life, that happen because of a grief or a loss that happened, a change in a job, maybe a job loss, or an illness that is acting up that needs to get put back into its place, right? There is absolutely a lot of fixable mental health concerns, for sure. Of course, we also have debilitating mental health issues. However, I think that when we come to Speaking about human resources and what we can do in the workplace, a lot of those folks aren't actually working because they're on disability. They haven't been able to, right? There's a lot of people in the world that have mental illness to an extreme place. But by and large, a lot of people are going to have their bouts with an anxiety or a depression, or maybe they're going to have to learn how to navigate the world with OCD or uh, be in recovery from an addiction. But there's no reason why they can't uh, thrive in the workplace and really enjoy um, the purpose and the meaning that they derive from that aspect of their life. So I think a lot of it's fixable, but it comes back to, are you going to show up for yourself? Are you going to show up for the people that you have influence over and be part of the solution? Or are you going to be exacerbating the problem because either your own stuff isn't in check or you just don't really care to take Mm -hmm. the time? To operate on all of your cylinders. So when you're not operating on all your cylinders, it's really hard to encourage the people around you to operate on all of their cylinders.
0: It's very true. You know, not everyone is situated to handle the task of being open and honest about mental health uh, in, the, in the workplace. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've experienced plenty of times, there's a little catch in your in your soul, as it were, when you run into someone that's clearly having a problem where you have to its sort of like a fight or flight response, you have to make a decision, am I going to help this person or am I going to avoid them, you know, and I think the instinct and it's one that I've experienced plenty of times, you know, and I, I'm not particularly proud of is uh, to run away to say I don't want to deal with this, I, I got my own issues it's unsafe sometimes, seems unsafe, I should say, to, to, to try and approach someone that's having a problem, um, even when it might not be unsafe, it just, so that that instinct, that sort of built-in stay away feeling, I think it permeates workplaces in particular, um, because a lot of workplaces aren't really emotionally open kinds of places to begin with. It's all very structured and hierarchical and you're in your spot and I'm in my spot, So when someone starts acting differently, um, it's, one, immediately visible to a lot of people. It it creates a lot of discomfort. And then you have the whole stigma issue surrounding it, um, which I think is uh, probably the sources from all that stuff I just said. It's really, I think it's really difficult. So I've asked a lot of people this, but how do you position? How, what would be your your advice towards employers and towards HR people to position themselves in a way that they can overcome that, overcome that sort of uh, wall or block?
1: Yes, great, great question. And I think as mental health issues are destigmatized in the world, as they have been and continue to be, what we really need to think about is. What resources, what supports, how are we going to advertise and set the culture and the climate for our employees to know what is available for them? I think that some kind of internal campaign A campaign, I know that a lot of companies will do the walking club or, you know, the wellness, you get, you know, certain discounts if you get your checkup and all that Sort of thing, right? Including mental wellness in that, whether that's making a VEX depression inventory available for employees to use on the, you know, internal um, interweb on the company's page. And a person can self assess if they're having a depression problem. VEX also does an anxiety one. And if someone finds out, oh, it looks like I have a little depression going on, it looks like I'm a little anxious, if that's up there, a substance abuse eval if that's up there your employees are going to use it especially if they know it's confidential and then they can decide for themselves you can attach resources your eap phone number i know some companies have brought therapists in house and they actually employ a therapist to help and to and to case manage people and send them out to you know addiction treatment if that's what they need or Find a good provider for them in the area if they need something more than brief therapy. To do um, stress reduction, um, I personally do a half an hour um, Friday, uh, like a guided uh, wellness group where we talk about mindfulness. We might do a, a breath breathing exercise, some meditative type grounding into the moment. It's a half an hour. People pop in at lunch and then they're out doing their own thing again, right? Mindfulness is so important, bringing yoga into the workplace, anything that says we understand and we recognize that this is real and it's normal, 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 normal. Every human being, I believe this is their struggle is okay. Humans are like thinkers. That's our superpower. We are thinkers. We are amazing thinkers. However, then it runs amok. Runs amok, right? We overdo it and we can think ourselves into all sorts of trouble, right? So mindfulness especially helps us settle down, settle in, slow the thinking, and then we start striving. We go from struggle to strive and we strive for better health better mental health, emotional, better relationships, better enjoyment and productivity in the workplace, better opportunities for creativity, right? And then we start succeeding. And we start succeeding because we find flow state, we tap into our resiliency, we build a life with relationships that we really truly enjoy. All of that can happen within the context of the workplace. And if a workplace can do that successfully, that's going to be a successful company.
0: I want to talk about trust for a second. Um, I have a ADHD. One of, the, one of the side effects or uh, I guess features of ADHD is paranoia. You know, when something looks like it might be people out to get me, my mind goes there. And I know that's very common. It's something I struggle with and overcome all the time. I know it's very common amongst many mental illnesses. Um, And, you know, I'm specifically speaking about mental illnesses, not necessarily just mental health challenges. But I think there's an automatic assumption amongst people that really need it, that their employers aren't there to help them. That if they talk to somebody, they're going to tell their employers about it. That when you're in a paranoid mindset, it doesn't matter that there's rules in place that mental health professionals are not to speak to anyone else about your issues except for a few very specific cases and um, I you know in an organization that doesn't have an EAP that that is way worse because the person saying who's the person I'm going to talk to if I have an issue it's going to be HR and HR works for the company they don't work for me so and then even in a scenario where you have an EAP people that are really struggling might say, they're going to talk to the employer and tell them everything I say, or they're going to know I use the service and fire me because, because they don't want to deal with it. So, you know, I really want to talk about that specific, just a, sort of like a clinical paranoia about those issues, and then sort of a general sense of distrust. How do employers overcome that?
1: I think that's a great question, and I think that investing time, investing time in educating your employees, you know, maybe in your newsletter, have someone identified writing a blog or an article about a mental health awareness in the workplace, maybe some stats about how normal it is, how typical it is, the average number of people in, you know, a certain population that are going to be struggling with some kind of addiction or how many people are on medications for ADD or ADHD, right? Or depression medication and really normalize it and say, hey, this is to be human. This is not to be broken. This is to be human. Our bodies are so amazing and so much goes well and so much goes right. To really just think about it as a few chemicals, a few neurotransmitters that maybe aren't quite up to par aren't quite doing their job, need a little tweaking, or the external world is just a little intense right now, so we need to take a little extra time to breathe and be just to balance it all out, right? So to normalize from the top down through the messaging of the culture in within the organization to say, hey, it's okay. It's okay. And we're going to show you that it's okay because we're going to talk about it and we're not going to hide behind it. And if something big happens in the headlines, like when Robin Williams died, if something big Mm. in the headlines comes out, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. Let's bring in a grief counselor if if a big grief happens in the world so that we can talk about it. Like the shooting um, that we had in Sandy Hook, right? Let's have a conversation with anyone who wants to. Don't impose it on people, but just offer it. You know, it's about changing the culture in the workplace and having the conversations. People are going to start trusting it if the company's talking about it before they need to bring it up. And they're gonna feel much more accessible, available. And if you know you don't wanna do the EAP thing and you don't want it to be in-house, that's fine. Have resources available that have absolutely nothing to do with the company and they're not involved at all, except, hey, here's, here's a list of websites to go to for the varying topics. Here's a list of great books to read to help you navigate here, right? So there are so many um, passive programming type things, education, uh, resources that we can share nowadays. One of the most fabulous things about technology, right? There's a lot that we can do that we're not doing yet. But I believe that is quite doable and um, available. It's just the desire to do that, right?
0: Yes, I I also look at employers because because for a very complex set of reasons, you know the number one source of benefits in this country is is through employers, right? So if you're going to be able to afford uh, mental health care, it's probably because you have employer-sponsored health care, and that that's always seen as a perk and a benefit, and that's how you get people on board. But what it really is is a huge responsibility. You know, your employers, the employers out there in this country have a, a sacred duty, in my, my opinion, to make sure that they're doing everything that they can so that when their employer is thinking, I'm going to kill myself today, that that's not because of their job and that they have some, some way to help them that, isn't, that they're not afraid of. You know, and you were talking earlier about we don't know what the mental health effects are going to be of the pandemic. It's delayed, you know, PTSD takes time to, time to happen. And it's, you know, there are all the things that people have been talking about, but then there's all the things that no one knows, you know, that have been, been weighing on us. So employers that I think historically by and large, haven't really been, haven't really been doing their job when it comes to helping people as much as they should, because they're there to make money, you know, and it's so easy to get in that, especially at the top, That's really where I'm going with this. At the CEO level, it's so easy to be—you know—you went to business school. You're talking about finances. You're talking about quarterly earnings. None of that, none of those numbers, surround mental health or mental wellness. It's just not on the board unless you put it there. And so, I think it's incumbent upon leaders, in particular, top-level leaders, to be an example to their employees, to say, you know, because in all likelihood, they've had some challenges too to say, here's what I've gone through. If you guys can go, through, you know, are going through the same thing. Maybe, you know, I understand. I, I guess the question is, that's not necessarily a very comfortable thing for people to do. How do you get leaders in an organization to to be an emblem, to be an example for their employees?
1: Well, there was a lot in what you just said. There was a lot in what you said. Um, I'll start with... Mental health is not reflective of those numbers. And I would say, deny, deny, deny. (laughs) I disagree completely. Mental health has everything to do with those numbers. And the healthier your employee is, the healthier your organization is going to be, the healthier your organization is going to be, the healthier those numbers are going to be, right? So first of all, I think that, yes, introducing that. Listen, a CEO is not going to be doing this. A CEO is not in the weeds, but a CEO can say, we need to place a mental health leader on our team. And we need to give that person a budget and we need to give them bandwidth and we need to give them authority to to get us into a good place mentally as an organization. So whatever that means, let them create their webinars, have their meetings, bring in yoga people, like whatever. Let's just, so so the CEO may or may not show up at yoga, right? But opening the door to that and and how does this happen? Probably people like me talking about it, right? Educating, um, going in and talking to companies, which I'd be happy to do because it's so important um, that we have healthy businesses, our economy, needs every drop of edge that it can get right now. We are going to be working really hard to uh, make some gains where there have been losses for a lot of companies, not all of them, but a lot, you know? And this is an important area of that because that mental health piece is going to take more people out if we don't bring that conversation up in the boardroom and address it in HR and in the policies, procedures, and just the culture—you know—the culture of the organization—so important.
0: Uh, we're just about out of time here. Um, I will say, just to go back to the the finances and spreadsheet thing, I also agree that it plays a huge role in how an organization is doing. What I'm saying is that that's not always visible. Like, let's say that, and I, it's weird to put numbers on it, but let's say like 20% of your workers are experiencing a mental health issue and then they experience that the next year and the next year and the next year it's the same about the same amount of people that won't necessarily be visible on your spreadsheet you may be making less than you could be and you will be making less than you could be but you may not be able to see that it's hidden unless you really take it into the forefront and start either like trying to find a way to put metrics to it or, or building into your, your awareness of your, of your financial success.
1: Yeah. I mean, what you'd be tracking is, you know, sick time, FMLA um, people who just are maybe going on performance improvement plans, all of those things, because a lot of that is a manifestation of the mental health struggles that people are having that are not being addressed.
0: Well said. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, anything, uh, any last thoughts?
1: There's two ways of looking at fear. We can, you know, view fear as false emotions or false evidence appearing real. Right. And we can say, you know what, this is not true. Like we know that mental health exists. We know that it would help the company if we did something about it. We know that there are things that we can do um, that are not cost prohibitive and then do nothing with it. Just kind of, yep, if this is true, I agree with this lady, great. Or you can face everything. You can face this mountain head on and rise. You can see it, own it, and say, yes, I'm going to make some more changes. And you know, the truth is everyone who owns a business, everyone who's a CEO, everybody knows change is always going to be happening. We don't stagnate. We're always leveling up. We're always envisioning a new future. What's this going to look like tomorrow? And I am telling you that the tomorrow of a healthy organization addresses mental health within its organization and does not shrink back from it. Instead, shines a light on it, normalizes it, and say, hey, the struggle is real, but we're gonna help you strive. And together, we're gonna be successful as individuals and as an organization. And and that's really the message that I would uh, really like to extend to all your listeners today. Absolutely. And be brave and reach out if you want to continue this conversation. I'd be happy to talk to you for sure.
0: Great. Um, thank you, Leanne, for taking the time to join us.
1: Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Listeners, we're always interested in suggestions you might have for what we should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HRWorksPodcast. If you have any thoughts or concerns, or if you just want to say hi, thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with Works.